This is Cecilia Dougherty with David Kalal for the In Between Theories podcast. In this edition, we're talking with artist Phyllis Baldino, whose underwater piece, which is still in progress on a larger scale, is the most recent project to appear on In Between Theories. Phyllis Baldino began working in video in 1993 with her Gray Area series, which encompasses practices of sculpture, performance, and video. She has recently returned from France, where she installed a nine-channel video called Nothing from the Future, as well as a single-channel piece called Now is Here for the Video Forms Festival of Digital Arts. The untitled video for In Between Theories is a 41-second loop, the content of which is a shag rug, two feet clad in nice Italian socks, and a tub of water. The combination is both funny and playful. And knowing Phyllis's work, it has connections to the way she uses video as an extension of the body rather than the eye, and also connections to ideas of fluctuation in both time and space, and the simple deconstruction of domestic objects, one of the objects being a small underwater video camera. So I also just wanted to kind of chime in at the beginning and say I think that we have an interesting opportunity to look at an initial fragment from a a work that's just beginning because a lot of the discussions Cecilia and I have had when we've been looking at different work and that this clip was about um, uh, kind of the context of or the premise of what initiates work for you and uh, how you work in some uh, some of the series you've done with the primacy of a single take and also how the kind of materiality of the initial uh, recordings that you're doing inflect and inform some of these larger ideas that are underneath the work. So it seems like taking the small 41 second fragment, uh, we can use that as a or I'm hoping to use it in the conversation to position different ways that we talk about the way the work, uh, the ideas emerge from the work and the work emerges from the ideas. Right, and our uh, question uh, basically is what uh, initiates work for you? Like how, so you can talk about how this piece is, uh, got started and how it's, it's, you know, how you're working on it or it's emerging, but is there something general you can say about how, uh, um, how your work generally Initiate. <laughs> that was really great. Oh, gee, um, each piece is different. It's it, it's hard to say exactly how it starts. You know, it's just kind of. <laughs> no, this is this is a great uh, this is a great background buzz, which is pretty funny. It's easy for me to talk about each piece as to how it evolves rather than talking about um, the work in general and how and how it evolves because each piece is different. If that makes does that make sense? The last piece, Nothing from the Future, one that that wasn't the last, I'm sorry, Now Is Here was the last piece, which was, ended up turning into a political piece because of uh, just what happened. It was literally um, a process that just changed over time. And it was the idea of now. And then during the idea of now was when there was a presidential election here. And then I happened to go to Cuba and all these other things happened. And it was really, uh, that was so much about time more than any other piece I'd done because it evolved over time and so many things happened. So with this piece that I just started shooting, this underwater piece, I always really want to challenge myself. And I always feel like, um, I don't know, it's, it's just hard to explain in words. You bought an underwater camera. 
Yeah, aboard the underwater, underwater camera, um, because I was actually thinking a lot about, about the, the sea level rise and how the climate is changing a lot. And I always kind of knew someday I would do a piece um, kind of around that idea of climate change, but I didn't really know what was going to happen and how it was going to, what was, like, how it would be. And when I was in Europe, it was like it snowed in Paris. It was, you know, I came back home, it was snowing in April. It's just, you know, it's, I, I know that's nominal compared to other parts of the world that are completely being devastated by flooding. Right, but it, climate change isn't always about devastation. Right, we right. Don't want to, we want to notice what's happening rather than get to a point where we're devastated. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So um, so it's, it, I was just kind of aware of all these things. And then I, I came across a book, uh, The Water Will Come by um, Jeff Goodall, I think. Well, I just wanted to also jump in just and kind of add, it, I thought it, it's interesting when you said it's, it's hard to describe in words, and then Cecilia also talking about the, the necessity of noticing small kind of interstitial change in time, and that seemed to me both a lot of what the, uh, the work does is that it takes things that are hard to describe in words and creates them as moments, sometimes moments floating in time and temporality, like you were doing with um, the piece in Paris. But also, it seems to be an answer to that. It's hard to describe in words. Therefore, you go into this intimate, close-up, deeply material video work that is describing that, which is hard to describe in words. words. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, after I read that book, I was thinking, I mean, the book is amazing. It's, it's actually, I mean, I always knew what was happening. The book is happening. But when you actually read it, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's, he goes into a lot of detail. So I was thinking a lot about water. And then I was like, water, let's shoot underwater. How cool. So um, it's another challenge. I've never shot underwater. And technology has changed so much since I've been working since 93 that you could literally, it's, 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 still, it's still kind of is amazing to me that you could buy a camera now and literally plop it in water and it's totally fine. I don't need a casing, I don't need, you know, and it's a really good resolution. It's an Olympus camera, it's only 400 bucks for doing something like that. It's just kind of, that alone got me really excited and it's just so great. I didn't want to shoot in the pool, I didn't want to shoot in the ocean, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it this big project that would be cumbersome and crazy and expensive and just like blah blah it's, it, it was it's not about that it's about just making having the ideas be created in a different kind of way and so i knew i had to kind of have more of a controlled environment i literally just got i mean it's very simple and luckily my new studio has these amazing windows like tons of natural light which is you know the first for me actually and i just got these big plastic bins i mean it's so basic it's just like the bins that you would get if you're moving and i and i filled it with water and I put this camera on a tripod, and this is my first shoot of the shoot that you have here, um, playing with these, uh, you know, I bought these mod socks in Rome years ago, and I just remembered that I had them, because that's what also happens, not this happens to you guys, but um, my brain remembers things that I wouldn't normally remember of things that I had bought at some point, and then it, and then it comes to the fore when I kind of need it. I forgot I had these socks, and I was like, oh, I have those socks, and I can, and I have this rug, and it, it was just like, I don't know, as worlds collide. It's such a basic idea, but I took these socks and I found this great rug at actually one of those cheap New York stores, which I love. And it has a slight sheen to the rug. And I just placed the rug in the tub and put these socks on and just started walking around. And this footage, and I still can't believe this, this footage is, there's no edits, it's totally raw. It just has this kind of thing that's happening that I, I can't even describe. And 
it's kind of nice to not be in control of the image for the first time in my life. It's really is just kind of happening kind of on its own with the reflection and with the water and with just movement. And I also feel we kind of have no control, sadly, of the earth is kind of screaming and we have no control over what's happening, like literally right now. I mean, we could, we could control it to a certain degree, but, you know, the floods, the water, things are coming, but we can't really control it. And that's, I thought that was kind of interesting. That was an afterthought so, after, I, after I shot what, this. So you're reading the book and then you got the camera. Right. And you started putting this together and right. realized that in the afterthought, you actually were making a piece that is political. Yeah. Because I, I, um, when I look at it, I'm like looking at things like the, there, there is like this little horizon that now I know your studio has a lot of light. Yeah. So I'm looking at the really enclosed landscape with not grass, but I could identify it as a shag rug, but it, it just looks like some substance. Doesn't like, even look like a rug, really? That's well, funny. yes, it looks remember. like a rug, but it, oh, it huh. no, it's like, the, it's like things in your videos that become something else uh, when they're in your hands. You know, they have a different function. That's and, the other thing that happens, yeah, because what happens a lot, people ask me, they'll see a piece and they go, oh, what is that? And I used to describe what it is, and then, and then, then, then they kind of don't care. They're kind of like, oh, oh is, is that all it is? But because the camera creates the image. And if you tell someone exactly what you're using, like if I literally detail what the object is, they kind of have this glazed look in their eye, and they're so unhappy with the answer. And they want something completely different, but that's really what it was. You should so, just tell them it's something else. I should, I should, I should make, make up this up. other, like, oh, it really was blah, blah, whatever. Just make up something that's not real. <laughs> something really Because fantastic. when I tell them, they're so uninterested. And they're so like, oh, is that all? And I'm like, well, that's because the camera does these things. That you, you know, that's why I love camera. The I, I feel the opposite. When I, uh, when I know what this is, it makes me happy. It, it has this really interesting relationship because it's like there's... A, a basis or a connection to a really big idea, like a paradigm shifting idea right, right. there, and then it feels like the impulse to begin to explain or explore it is in this, like the smallest kind of visual grammar that you could do, something really um, contained and illustrative, but also like, you know, like a syllable even, rather than a book. Right, the idea right. has come from this huge idea, and that's like, that's... I see that throughout the work. I mean, mm. in the way you describe it, and right. just in what's present. So for me, I found this fascination in this image too. But it, mm. I, for me, it went really before before I knew the premise behind it. Mm -hmm. Before I was in that conversation that's either about disappointment or reward with the artist, right? Mm -hmm. it, for me, it felt oceanic. I saw um, like it's like a wall of an enemy. But an anemone isn't contained that. It's, it's circular. So it, I didn't know what it was. I, I wasn't trying to figure it out exactly. I was in this um, the kind of sensual pleasure of yeah. watching it. Maybe the wrong question that others are asking is, what exactly is that or whatever? You don't need to figure it out. If they want to figure it out, they also want there to be an element of mystery. There, exactly. There right. does not need to be right. an element of mystery. It's completely not about that. Those things are both narrative elements that will take you to another place. It takes me to a reimagined familiar place. It takes me to a reconstructed mm. space, uh, a possible space, not an impossible space, not a fantasy space. I like being able to see like the feed. This is uh, inhabiting these possible spaces, giving them a structure that functions on an intimate level. But it's a strange, like the intimacy 
And this is not about, uh, so intimacy usually refers to personal psychology. Like your narratives are not confessional narratives. They're not autobiographies. They are narratives more about a human, human presence. And process, yeah. You said like that, you know, not to generalize. So what is in between generalizing theme and the other end of that, which is how specific an individual history is. And I think that your work is in that space in between things that is a space that's not. That other work, artwork and literature, actually situates a lot of things in that space but does not highlight it, uses it more as a foundation. Your work is very much in an intimate space in the uh, piece where we're in the Great Salt Flats. Mm -hmm. uh, that space is not an intimate space, no. but it becomes so specific and also never becomes landscape. So how does that happen? I don't know. That was intuitive. I don't, I don't know how to really talk about that, but um, I, I did. I mean, the Salt Flats to me, it's one of my favorite. Uh, what's that great word? Um, topophilia? Is that is that the word? It's the the love of a location. I could I could have that word wrong, but when I heard about that word, I was like, Double f I was like, that's me in the salt flats. It's like when you go to a space in a place in the world and you have a love for that location. And it's not because you grew up there. No, no, no. You have no, no memories there. No, it's um, it's just that when you go there, you're you're like you're in love with the location. I feel that when I'm at the salt flats. <laughs> And I have complete topophilia there, and I, I just kind of want to embrace it. It's so ridiculous. I want to embrace it, but I can't because it's too big. I mean, it's it's one of these absurd, you know, because I happen to be in a body. Like, I don't really like being a body sometimes, but I'm in a body because that's just the way I have no choice. If I could be out of my body, I would love to just fly around that space, but I, but I, I have, I don't, I'm not capable of doing that. But when I went there, I was really very excited. And uh, I did these shoots there because the landscape to me is just like, ah, so amazing. But preparing for that, like I, of course, prepared those shoots before I even left. Like I didn't just get on the plane and go, oh, what I'm going to do? Like that was, those shoots were prepared in advance. And then I had to ship all the props out in advance. Like it was a very planned I did 13 shoots in 13 days. It was pretty insane, but it worked. It was like very stressful, but it came together. Because this is another example of, a, of an environment, right? Yeah, this like right. This is another environment. It, it's kind of great that you're doing this, but I'm also, um, I'm kind of in uncharted territory right now because this is new for me to shoot something that I don't know what it's going to look like. And like I said, when I shot this, I didn't know what the hell, I mean, I didn't know what it was in. And then I, you know, got out of the tub and then I looked at the footage and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it just was this other thing that I didn't even know that it was doing. So it was a surprise even to me, which was kind of cool. The camera is just right here. The, um, it's the, like against the side the, of the, the tub? The camera is on a, on a tripod and it's low. Oh, it's, 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 it's on a tripod, it's, it's in the tub, it's low and it's angled. I mean, this is really hard to yeah. describe, of course, you know. So you're in the water with um, the I'm, I'm in the water with the camera. But what's, what, what I think happens, and this is also interesting, that's because I've, I've done at least five more shoots since this, so I, I'm, doing, I'm shooting other situations as well in this kind of scenario. Every shoot is completely different, even if the camera seems like it's in the exact same place. And that to me is fascinating, but I also love that because you can't duplicate it. There's so many factors that you're unaware of. I mean, that you're not that you're unaware of, but that happen unexpectedly because it depends on where the sun is in the sky, the windows, if it's cloudy, if it's sunny, the exact angle of the camera, the lens. And the reflection happens with the water and with the lens. And the water actually isn't 
literally covering the entire lens because then you would just see underwater footage which is to me very extremely boring it's like so who cares if it's just underwater and but it's the reflection and it's the motion and it's other things that happen that that make it kind of interesting for me but i didn't when i did it i didn't realize it would look like this i just had no idea but i also like the experimentation and that's something even when i'm shooting other shoots like all my shoots i don't really um i don't like being completely prepared i think that's really boring and like why bother i mean if you know exactly what you're doing it's done you know there's no point in doing it so i always have an element of surprise and experimentation whenever i'm shoot doing any shoot at all i kind of know what i'm doing but i never know exactly which is you know how i want it and there's an interesting relation to objects right which they're often uh, when I think about your work or even read about your work, it's often described as uh, connected to domestic objects, right? Mm. Which you are really de-domesticating, right. sometimes deconstructing, yeah, but sometimes. I also think taking out of, and domestic objects is a loaded term also. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just that there aren't many words out there to describe. Right, but it's, yeah. I think it's often used in a very uh, gendered way to talk about yeah. uh, like objects from the home and that somehow have a kind of antiquated notion of things that are cared for by women, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that like kind of conventional um, old school family structure. What was interesting to me about this is it's almost as if by placing the camera in a fully different environment, like water, the camera for the first time also becomes a kind of domestic object, right? Which is participating in this one in a different way than say uh, in like the gray areas there is where it stands off and the objects are taken apart, right? And it is very much about the object. It's not about your body performer in that. It's, de-emphasized. For me, anyway, the narrative seems to be about the, the rediscovery, deconstruction, and reconstruction of these objects, and then they're also, again, attached to a larger idea, right? right? You're also breaking, it's like there's a, there's a grammar of performance, and then there's a grammar of intellectual exploration of like a large idea, like fuzzy and crisp logic that you're looking mm -hmm. at there. But here, I feel like there's the beginning of a thing where the, the camera isn't, it's, it's like you said, it's no longer at that particular observational or recording wall. It's become involved in yeah. this new, unexpected way. Yeah. And um, I wonder if you talk a little bit about how you choose the objects that you're going to experiment right. with and set up these kind of environments. <laughs> I go shopping. I know this sounds... That's, I mean, it's very funny. Right, right. But I go shopping. I mean, it's I, I have... Um, you know, because you have to shoot something. Um, you can't just shoot air, and then then I would I don't know. It's you can't just shoot nothing, as far as I'm concerned, unless you know I wanted to do that. But that's not the way that my brain you know works. I I think that shooting something is uh, you know it's obviously why I work in film. But yeah, I go shopping, and that's uh, it. Sounds really funny, but it's totally true. And like when I found this rug, I was like, oh my god, this is like the perfect because it looks. It has this light shimmer, and I knew that it would catch the light. And it looks so much better than I thought it would look. And actually, when, when I was actually in the water doing this, looking down on it, it looked like shit. And I thought, oh, this is not going to. And then the footage, it looks great. So when I'm, when I'm looking down as a human being at my feet in the water looking at this, it just looked mush. It looked brown. It looked like nothing. But I was not, I am not the camera. And that's what, I, I guess over time, it, it's like any medium. You just kind of, it's an intuitive, unexpected intuitive thing happening is when I go shopping, I actually kind of now can sense what something will look like in the shoot. I mean, you know, I'm not always right. Like sometimes things aren't, you know, what you think, but there's sometimes when I don't use the objects that I buy, but most of the time I've gotten really good at deciding what 
will work and what won't work. But again, it's also experimentation and I kind of like things. I just kind of, it's like anything. You kind of go, oh, look at this. Wow, look at this thing. Like someone made this thing. It's really ugly and stupid, but like this could look great on film. And it kind of brings back also the thing Anna Cecilia and I were talking about earlier, which is that there's a way in which you seem to use the camera as an extension of the body, but not as necessarily as an extension of the eye. Right, like it records material that you see back later. So obviously, clearly you're producing visual material, but in the way you place the camera and the way that you experiment with it and objects, it seems like it's more um, an extension of a limb than it is yeah. of like a, a the visual field. Yeah, that's that's actually really true. Because e even when I'm shooting, if I'm shooting anything, if I'm shooting something, I'm having this memory. It's a while ago, but I was luckily friends with Nancy Holt, and when I first met her, I was with her and Elena Williams, the friend that that did Nancy's show that traveled and did um, Sightlines, the book, and we all went out to the sun tunnels together. And I had my camera, and I was like, Nancy, is it okay if I film you? You know, like, and she was like, sure. And I, I, so I actually have this great documentary of me like filming her at the sun tunnels, and and I was so whenever I'm filming, even if it's you know something with with that situation or even with my work. It really feels like I'm not there and I'm filming and it's just such a natural thing to do that it really is just my body filming and it's almost like my body knows what to do and it has nothing to do with me. I, it's hard to explain in that. So yeah, oh, I that's, think that, that's really clear, in fact. And one thing I was thinking, looking at the Gray Area series and this, is about body consciousness in terms of the, the body as uh, somehow uh, an equal actor in whatever scene you're you're shooting or whatever scene you're performing, equal actor to the space and the other elements. And in this case, the camera too. The body also moving and moving in ways that we are trained to move in social spaces and in your work that moving in that way, say in these objects that you find when you go shopping, it things actually change. It actually, well, we were talking about representation. What is, what is the work in terms of mm -hmm. uh, representational value? But what it literally represents meaning what you see. We had had a moment in the discussion, I'm not sure if this is what you were at, the point you were at, but we had talked about the difference between this kind of representation that's happening and also a, a thing that's happening where you're the work seems to be enacting and demonstrating theory. Well, jumping off from what you were talking about in terms of about you were set, we were talking about whether it was performative, and what we had been talking about was the, the space for the work where it's not simply about performance, although that's a thing that's that's happening, and it's even in a genre of thing that's happening, but that it is in these visual chunks or pieces enacted in demonstrating theory, and I think that that often attaches to the larger idea that you're exploring. And so it brings me a little bit back to when you say it's difficult to say in words, and I'm like, so isn't it fascinating to see theory, whether of time or polit of a political moment, enacted visually? I think we were interested in, in talking about what it's like to write theory in visual language. Yeah, it's just, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's hard to talk about it and that's why I work visually hello yeah yeah I know it's 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 and it's always yeah the whole word thing yeah <laughs> whenever I'm told to write about my work it's always uh, the, the hardest thing not the hardest thing but one of the hardest things 
in my practice is to you know write about my work, which I don't know why. Which works. means you have to try to separate oh. it out into different yeah. parts. Yeah, I mean, it's right. like that's why I work visually, and I, I'm not sure if it's because we're living in a time period, like literally like this point in time in history where they expect the artist to do everything. Like you have to write about the work, you have to make the work, you have to you know do all these things. It's like, you know, I felt like in the past, you know, if you make the work, that was okay. you know that was that was enough. I mean, enough is the wrong word. Even still, enough is the wrong word. But, you know, making the work, that's why I'm not a writer. You know, obviously, you know, I work visually. And that's just the way my brain is. It's, you know, something I kind of, it's just who I am. Okay, I just came across this uh, definition of metaphysics. (laughs) (laughs) A branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles of things, including abstract concepts such as being, knowing, substance, cause, identity, time, and space. I think that's a useful place for my eyes to fall on this page at this time. (laughs) Because I think that kind of describes, uh, say, all those things in, you know, generally being equal. So if, so I'm looking at your work as the different, different parts that make it up. There is, if there is a person in the work, there's a body and there's movement and then there are objects and substances if all these all these things plated as common things that are in and of themselves useful outside of that context and then also often used uh, narratively to represent something else and in your work they don't represent something else they represent themselves like very steadfastly and then work in the creation of I think a very specific type of space. It is not about expression. It's not about making statements. It is much more about visualizing the statement. And as you're saying, this is why this is why you don't write about your work or talk about your work as much as you just make it. And I think a really correct way of looking at your work is to take it literally and to see each element as as an equal element of the work. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And I just recently had a studio visit and um, with a young curator from LA and he said something very similar. We were talking about it and, and he was saying how the audio, uh, I was showing him nothing from the future. And that piece I took out of, I think, it's hard to say, but I think that that piece more than any other piece, I really worked a lot on the audio and I brought in audio from the outside, which, um, so it's, it's a mix of, of, of audio that happened when I was doing the shoot it's a mix of audio that, are, are we okay with audio the beep? Audio from the outside. Audio from the outside. Beep, yeah, beep, beep. No, um, like there's construction outside, you guys. Just so you know, that's why now and then you hear these weird sounds. But, you know, I, I don't care about that, whatever. So what happens is the everything in, everything in my work is has to be there. It's not like one element, you know, can't be there. It's, um, and that's, it's interesting um, to talk about this because there's a lot of work that I see, or not, I shouldn't say a lot, but when I see work, when there's something like, well, why is that element there? Like that doesn't fit with the rest of it. I'm, I'm really aware of that and it's all intuitive, you know? So when a piece is done, I know it's done because everything there has to be there. Like, I, like it has to be the way it is. So in that situation, it took a longer time to, to finish nothing for the future because it's 35 clips with audio and 25 uh, abstractions. And the audio, because it was set in the future, I was combining um, different kinds of audio to make it feel like it was not now, not in the present. Okay, so and that, what, and what that are took the abstractions? Time. The abstractions are the silent 
is the silent footage that, that is playing in between the 35 clips. Because there's 35 clips and because they're, they're actually synchronized, it's a wireless installation, which for me was, a, was really kind of something I've been dreaming. I actually literally have had dreams of wireless installations like over 20 years ago. So the fact that this happened for me is a miracle. Um, so that's a whole other conversation. I won't go into detail, but it, it was pretty great to have this finally realized. And it was great to do this in France because they, they were totally behind it, which was really cool. So the pieces, they're synchronized, but it, it's kind of like they're, they're synchronized, but it's not, it's not frame accurate. So it's not so tight, which I, which I didn't want it to be that tight. But the, the silent abstractions, but I really like having footage, have it be real footage. So that abstraction I actually created in my studio. Actually, I created that in my home because the studio at the time didn't have windows. It's really simple, but it worked really well. I filmed, I created a, a mirror box. Right. Did I tell okay. you this story? No, but I, I know the, the footage that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I created a mirror box and I filmed inside the box without having the camera reflect in the situation. So the light would come in from my windows in my apartment and then there would be reflection of just whatever was around, literally, and then that would be in the footage. And the footage is mostly kind of darkish, blackish, grayish. There's sometimes some color that might be like, you know, my kitchen towel or something in my kitchen. And it's it was a really cool abstraction. It was a, a kind of a nice way of creating abstract footage without having it be literal. And so I really wanted something kind of like that to have it be what I call the in-between footage of the other footage for the piece. Right. Why am okay. I talking about this? Wait, I, I think oh, we, we went off on a sidetrack. Well, I, uh, I asked because you, you were calling that footage abstractions and I just... Okay, okay. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgot because I, I, I just went on this long thing. I was like, oh my God, why am I talking about this? Because it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Number one reason. I, to, I, also, on the thing um, with nothing from the future, which the large idea you're exploring there is time, right? Which is a thing that we know is difficult to describe in words, right? Narratives about it always fail, and it has usually like a recourse, in my mind anyway, to like a mathematical equation, right? That even if I can't understand it, I understand that that's how time is theorized and described. But when you say that you're that everything in the work has to be there, all those elements have yeah. to be there, it seems almost as, for me, I hear this resonance where it's like, you're building an experiential equation, right? And so what better way to describe a theory of time than for people at the installation to have to you have to experience it. Yeah, you do. Right? Yeah. It's experiential. But everything needs to be there, like everything needs to be in a mathematical equation of greater sophistication than I can understand in order for it to tell the truth about time or build a theory about time that we don't even know if it's a final truth. That when you're working on that, everything has to be there. Right. How, what is the process of understanding how you build that equation? What all those elements what are? What those elements are? Okay, this is also hard to, I mean, I'll, I'll try to explain this, but it's, it's also an organic process for me just from the start. I have the idea about the future for this piece, for the in the future, and then I start going shopping, and then, I, and then I buy objects, and then I alter them accordingly, and that's completely intuitive. And then I create the process to decide what, what I will actually shoot with the objects and how that will happen. Then I always, like I said before, have this experimental aspect, so I don't know exactly what I'm doing because things happen on camera completely unexpected, which I love. And the idea of chance is really important for me. I, I, I hate when things are perfect. It's like, it's so boring. So that happens. But with nothing from the future, the audio was a huge element. Uh, like I said, I, I really wanted to t play with the audio, but I didn't know. I think this is kind of important. And this is another part of the process of it being kind of organic is 
For example, when I went to the Salt Flats and I did those shoots, I didn't know what kind of audio I was going to add to that footage. I had no idea. And when I came back, it was over time. It's like I would just start playing around with the audio and, and, and pulling stuff from YouTube or just, you know, you steal stuff. Well, you know, it's just what happens. <laughs> and it would be like, oh, my God, this goes with this. And it was just choices. And, and like anybody chooses, even a painter, like, they're like, oh, OK, this needs to be over here, you know, in this part of the canvas. And this needs to be over there. And who knows why you decide these things. But then it just works and you're done. And that organic process is reproduced in the, in the room or in the space. Right, for, right. Um, uh, when you're looking at method from the future or when you're in the room with it, right? Because yeah. audio and visual also... Are, are combined. The way that you had described the, the, that the future has to be understood also as a series of moments, the way the present is, under, is understood. It's like there's a... It's reproduced in the process of making the work, right? In that series of moments where you build it and then it's reproduced for the... For, for the, the viewer. For the viewer, maybe viewer's well, not the right word. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not, that's the thing. It's, it's the abstraction of audio and the happenstance or organic mixing, right? So the temporal loop of right, the right. creation and, and the experience for the, I don't know, audience don't know, member. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's yeah. a, yeah, the audience member. That's an interesting point because what you are kind of eliminating is the, this, like, the apparatus theory of film. Which, which has the audience member sort of in some kind of geometric situation with the screen, the projector, the camera, the subject, etc. That is a description of the voyeur. And so you have eliminated the voyeur. There's no voyeur in, in your work. So you're talking about time. We're not looking at an event in order to experience like a transference phenomenon, yeah. you know, with a character, yeah, yeah, which is kind of, I think, pretty essential to film narrative. They want to draw you in. I am drawn in by sort of like purely different things. Those things are, actually some are visceral, like I like what I imagine this feels like. Uh, they're also intellectual. And for me, there is an element of humor, although now I know it's about global warming, so that's not so funny. But 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 you have to remember, this is just one clip of many shoots, and humor <laughs> is going to come into this piece. I don't know okay. how yet, so you have to. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is it um, the socks? I love those socks. I love the socks. <laughs> I mean, these socks. I like I said, I had these socks in my drawer for I forgot years. I bought these in Rome, and I was just like, oh my god, my socks. And that's like I said, I remember when I have to remember. Who knows why I thought of these socks? You know, and then I, and then you know, it's just one. You because know, I don't know. They it just happens big, because they they have those big circles, on them and they they create a different yeah. shape than the rug. It's just it's a are different. they circles or no? Like it's actually um, I was calling them mod socks. They're kind of sixties. You know, they have this. They're not circles. They're like this abstraction. It's almost like a. Um, an abstract stained glass window, but not really. Right, you know? right. Oh, That's yeah. what I was saying, window pane. Yeah. And, oh, um, and they're, they're geometric. Not, yeah, it's, a, it's like a geometric, but they're just but like... They're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're just knee highs. It's, they're not anything. They're just this, these... They're very things. special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying I get drawn in not because I want to know what happens. I do, I do kind of love, like, what happens, but... You know, I'm not identifying with a character. I'm not a voyeur in a situation. But it gets rid of, uh, like, all the stuff that can easily come between the person who's looking at the art and the, you know, 
and uh, what the art is doing. So your art, it, your art does does do things, and it does do things. I think more than it says things. Except the uh, piece that you shot in Cuba, that actually says a lot. Well, that's a that's more of a political piece because yeah. I, I I could not not make that piece. I mean, it's, that makes like too many negatives there, but I had to make a piece about our current administration because I was going and I'm still going crazy, but I'm, I'm trying to live my life. Like you know, it's just really hard to kind of. I, well, we're all in the same boat. It's a, it's a hard time. It's interesting you bring up that, that that's a directly political piece right after you're talking about the, the uh, eliminating of the apparatus and the whole because it means then, and this is how I've been looking at the work as well, um, and uh, particularly some of the stuff also then uh, in that was here, where the political came in. But if you remove voyeurism, if you move away from apparatus theory, it means that your audience, if your audience member is not a voyeur, they're in some form of active authorship or viewing, right? Which is which is a call to action in and of itself. It's a different relationship. And when you were talking earlier about how when you were making Now is Here, it became the political moment of the now, added an urgency to the way that you were creating that piece. That seems to be implicit in what Cecilia's talking about, also is in building a practice that Active authorship, I'm not sure if that's what I'm trying to say, but some kind of active presence of the audience member, not the viewer, because we're, we're looking at more senses involved there. It is a thing at the moment. When this political moment, right, which is about time and urgency and now, yeah. which is which is a, a key element of, of all this work, how do you find that it is... I can see the Cuba work as being a place where you, in some way, you, there's an, you release a valve by doing explicitly political work. But when you find it coming into mm-hmm. work that is uh, gestural and talking in these smaller visual moments... Yeah, how's that going to work? Yeah, right. yeah, I know. I mean, that I, actually closes this huge gap of the performance and conceptual work and you know, work that is, a quote, about something. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm trying to... Yeah, um, this piece in particular, I'm, I'm trying to combine both. I'm not sure about you guys, but what's, I mean, even with Now is Here, I was really, really compelled to make that piece. It was very, very strong. And I just happened to be going to Cuba. It was just like, that was on my calendar, pre-existing. That piece really just kind of made itself. I mean, I just, I just had no choice. I just was like, you know, just like running down that road and, you know, doing everything possible to finish it and to get people to help and to be in it and just to kind of, because it was just so, uh, and it still is, so um, there's no word to describe what's happening now in our country. In my brain, I can't think of a word. It's just so awful that it, the word doesn't exist. So making that piece was really important, but it was also really hard because things are so insane that you can't even parody it because it's beyond parody. It's just, it's really hard to comment. And I did the best I could given what the situation that I was in. And I, I, and I don't like being blatant. I don't like hitting people over the head with ideas. I think that's really, it's just not my style. I'm just more organic that way. But that's why now making this piece, you know, this underwater piece, I'm in a different kind of struggle. Like, I can't make it as blatant as, not as blatant, but like that last piece now is here is, is very political, but it's not as abstract as, as this work. And I, and I have to infiltrate political stuff in here, but, it's, but I don't want it to be literal because that's just, that would be just why. It just makes no sense for it to, I mean, it's just not, it's not gonna come out that way anyways, because that's not the way that my brain works. So somehow, somehow it's gonna be political, funny, and, and other things that I don't even know yet. 
So I, it's also this fun, playful thing also for me where it's like you're working with extremities, you're literally working with extremities, and then the first one, it's, you know, you don't go for the easily key things of eyes or face, it's hands, yeah. and now... Now it's feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, but I do feel like that when you talk about the playful and funny aspect, and the, there's visual pun and visual play and expressiveness as well, like that gesture seems to me like, yeah, we can't figure out what's going on, so it is all just like at the very tips of your perception, yeah, the edge of yeah. your body. So, yeah, so I don't really know how this is going to turn out, which, you know, is, is always the case. Like, I never really know what's going to happen until you start, you know, working, and then, and then all of a sudden, and then it's done. I mean, I'm not sure what it's you're... It's just really fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. I think we're only done in the sense of a certain, certain kind of work for you is completed, but I, don't, I think that the resonance and the ideas of them go on much further than, you know, whatever catalog dates for when a piece is completed, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's it, that's the, there's an experimentation and authorship process for you, but the work itself and the largest of the ideas that are going on in them, that seems to me like, that's why we're talking uh, gray area series through now, right? It's, there's red, there's red connective tissue that runs through all of it. Yeah, Yeah, interesting. I think also about like what, this kind of, in this concept of evolution and kind of a trace DNA that's in you, that's in your work. I think it was what Cecilia called the so-called history of her work. Because the work makes you see, you can't say history of a work, you immediately start to question it because the work questions time and future and comprehension. So you start to mediate inside of what we're talking about. But if you could think a little bit out loud about this trace DNA that goes through the work in terms of actions and objects and then the kind of the interweaving of these larger, I mean, like big mind blowing concepts. Right, that goes in throughout the work. What is that? Do you have that same experience that I have at looking at the work over time of seeing a kind of uh, connective tissue or trace DNA that runs through it? I actually don't, just personally, I like moving. I mean, it has nothing to do with what I understand what you're saying, but for me, I actually like moving forward. I don't really like looking looking back at my work that I've done in the past because for me it's about what I'm what am I going to do next. I understand that there, there obviously is a connection because it's all because I made all the work and it's me and it's it's comes out of me somehow. I think there's more to it than that, and if we don't look at all of your work as as having a history, David's kind of like calling it the uh, you say the trace of DNA or something. Yeah. And again, I, I do a call back to myself because as I try and build it into a temporal narrative, I'm like, it also is, that's a lot of what it's about, freeing up, like not doing that. When people are, you know, say somebody is writing about your work and they uh, talk about like, you know, your early work and this and that, uh, they mm. are creating a, a space for the work that's not necessarily related to how you work. It's not related to how the work actually exists as something that is more along a continuum than a something that is process of production that is a product. Looking at your own work as a product is alienating, but looking at your own work as part of a story. Oh, that's like a lineage, you mean? It's like it's yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly. okay, okay. Well, that, that, my, then that makes sense. I'm just, I'm just remembering that working in video. It's I always have to archive my work, and it actually takes away from my mental space to go backwards, to go forwards, and I don't like doing it because it actually changes. I, I'm just, I'd rather move forward all the time. Right. Rather than having to basically, you know, uh, maintain my archive, 
which is emotionally exhausting sometimes, and it takes away from my, you know, the part of my brain that I would rather be doing, working on making new work. But I see what you're saying, and it makes sense that it is, you know, it is this kind of continuum. The push and pull. Yeah, right, inside yeah. Of this. There yeah. Is. Thank I think you. About you saying, Thank you. Well, it's interesting because I and this is, happens a lot when I'm th- thinking about it, watching your work. You had just said earlier you talked about like oh, uh, it was this great moment when you were putting the the clip work and that right, right, right. work in progress yeah. together. And you're like I suddenly remembered that I had these things. Right, like right. That's not the hyper consciousness of working on your archive. That's the organic process right, right. call back through time. Right. And you bring that thing forward from time, but it's not contentious. In the right. Same way. Exactly. Right? It's, it's completely different. It's a completely different process. Yeah. Something more joyful in it. Yeah, yeah. Action. Yeah, and, and I actually remember, I mean, like we all do, it was, I didn't have all the stuff I had to deal with. And so now I have to kind of balance that that part of my brain to to deal with, you know, showing and all that stuff, which is blah, 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 blah and then making the work. But, but if it's just about the work and nothing else, that's, yeah, that's great, obviously. It's, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more freeing. Yeah, it's a lot more freeing. And it also speaks to that. Both the now and the future are all experienced in the, these moments. Again, I keep coming back to this thing. It's, it's an, it, it's, the work is experiential ways of understanding temporality. And so maybe part of the push and pull is, I started this question with a very, a, a straight idea of a narrative. Of the yeah. Word, you're yeah. Like the idea of a lineage, right? Of a heritage is because it, that's a helix model. And that's, yes, it's right. different. But it's, I think maybe it's different for uh, the maker than it is for, yeah, for the audience. For the audience. Lots of people's so-called earlier work because, you know, I like to, to see how they were thinking. I like to see where those thoughts show up again later, yeah, things yeah, like that. True. And, yeah. and I also think that artists have particular areas that they explore over many years that one thing can take decades <laughs> to finish that thought. Right, right, right. Or, or, or it comes out in unexpected ways and sometimes you don't even know that it's there and it's there. It just kind of shows up. When I am shooting and I am using my body, my body's just a tool, by the way. Like, it could be, you know, it just happens to be a body. It could be anything else, but it's just a body. Yeah, we all have bodies, and we know, we know how our bodies work, and it's just kind of like, it's just something that I, you know, I just use because it's, you know, whatever. I, I know how to use it. When I was on the flats and I was shooting, and because it was a stressful time and I was, you know, mostly by myself, except I had a friend come for two days to help for a few shoots, this, is what, this actually was a surprise to me. My body knew what to do. And I got some of those shoots in one take, which still, till this day, shocks me because some of them are very complicated. And it's just like, like your body kind of knows what to do. I don't know how else to, to say it except explain it like that. And that was kind of interesting to me, that that was kind of a, a, a revelation that happened when I was out there. I mean, one of the things I'm enjoying about the conversation is that it occurs to me that it is also interesting that this expansion of media space currently and the ability to have podcasts and different kinds of conversations and more thick, it kind of breaks up the archival thing, right? It's a, it is an right, opportunity right. to speak complicatedly around the narrative and for and against curation and all, all of that and that each opportunity like this to articulate and talk about work on your own terms right without anything else to yeah there is no agenda there is yeah. just yeah it's just conversation and it adds to an archive that's not archival it's just the organic discussion of the work but we all now have more capacity like you were talking about how easy it is to shoot underwater now mm. you have more capacities to produce and preserve and distribute this kind of conversation 
I mean, I'm, yeah, this is, I don't know if this goes into the podcast or not, I'm really interested to see how also we can structure this conversation around both this initial moment in this thing that you're, this work that you're exploring and doing, and then amongst all the different work we've we've been discussing, it'll be interesting to place the podcast, place the transcript, and, and craft yeah. that, and I think that that's like yet another Interesting right, it's another process for, yeah. for putting it all together, and I'm, yeah. I'm already interested. Yeah, me too. Well, I want to thank you guys both, actually, for inviting me, because it's the first time I've ever done something like this, so I really wanted to, it was nice that you Great. that you asked, and I, you know, I really appreciate it. No, we just happened. Take the time. I mean, it was just one of those. Because we, we went out to ask. dinner. It just happened. Yeah. It, just, <laughs> it, it did. It just happened. You had this, and then it, it was, was like, oh, my God. It was. It really was serendipity. It's like we went out to dinner, no. and then I was like, I just started shooting, and I was like, oh, I did this thing, and then you were like, oh, let me. So I sent you this clip, like just for the hell of it. I was like, oh, I sent you this clip, and you're like, oh, that. And then so it just was like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. This has been the In Between Theories podcast with David Kalal and Cecilia Doherty. In this edition, we have been talking to artist Phyllis Baldino. Phyllis, thank you very, very much for for your beautiful underwater in progress untitled piece and for coming here to speak with us today. Uh, You can visit us at inbetweentheories.com and see Phyllis Baldino's work and also uh, read up on Phyllis, her work, and also what In Between Theories is about. Thank you very much for listening.